South Carolina's upcoming opponent in the Missouri Tigers narrowly escaped a comeback attempt for the Vanderbilt Commodores this past weekend. So does that mean that this weekend's game is going to be an easy victory for the Gamecocks? I certainly don't think so. I'll explain why today on the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of Locked On Gamecocks is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between the South Carolina Gamecocks and the Missouri Tigers on the SEC Network right here on Sling. Sling, the TV you love for a price you'll love. Try it today. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecocks sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank you once again for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch every day. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily. we got a lot to talk about on today's Tuesday edition of Locked On Gamecocks. We're going to both look ahead and look back on today's show. I'm going to discuss the fan environment from Saturday night and the recruits' reaction to the victory over Texas A&M. I'm also going to talk about why South Carolina might be getting their upcoming opponents' best shot each week, those opponents being the Vanderbilt Commodores, Missouri Tigers, and Florida Gators in no particular order. But before I jump into all of that, we have a conversation about this upcoming weekend's matchup in the Missouri Tigers. And I want to say something real quick. I think that the fan base needs to be careful with how they look at this football game. What I'm basically getting at is, I do not think this is a game that the fans should overlook. And there's a few different reasons why I think this is the case. Firstly, you look at the history of the series since 2012, when Mizzou joined the SEC along with Texas A&M. Seven of the ten games that have been played between both of these teams have been decided by 14 points or less. Meaning the majority of these games have been extremely competitive, no matter where seemingly each of these teams have stood in the SEC East in that given year. Five of those same seven games were decided by seven points or less. And out of these 10 games from 2012 all the way to present time, both teams have five wins each, right down the middle. No one has dominated this series since it became an annual matchup back in 2012. Another reason why I think this game should not be overlooked by Gamecock fans is just how close Missouri has played their opponents on their schedule this year. Now look, I know then the cold open, I brought up the fact that they only defeated the Vanderbilt Commodores by three points. Now, they were playing on the road, and Vanderbilt is an improved team this year. So, I think that, you know, Vanderbilt does deserve to get a little bit more respect in terms of, you know, a team having a close game against them this season. I mean, heck, Ole Miss, who was undefeated going into this last weekend, they also struggled at times against this Vanderbilt Commodores football team. But to get back to Missouri, it feels like to me that after they got blown out by Kansas State in Week 2, 40-12, a lot of people around college football and in the SEC just sort of 
kicked Missouri to the curb in terms of expectations they may have had for them and basically haven't thought much of them since. Well, here's what's happened since that blowout loss to Kansas State. Missouri lost in overtime at Auburn 17-14, and they lost because they fumbled away the game-winning touchdown through the end zone to give the Tigers of Auburn the victory. They also lost to the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs, but they only lost by four points. And by the way, they led that game for 46 minutes and eight seconds. This was Georgia's closest regular season win that they have had since they defeated Mississippi State by only seven points back in 2020, two years ago. And Missouri lost to Florida 24-17. They had a chance to tie the game in the final minutes, but they fumbled the ball on their final drive, just like they did against Auburn, to give the Gators basically the victory in Gainesville. Now, I want to emphasize something real quick. With all of the games I just brought up, I'm not trying to make Missouri sound like some sort of juggernaut or some sort of sleeping giant that just needs to be awoken. I'm not trying to make them out to be, you know, this hidden dynasty in the SEC East. But my whole point with bringing all these games up is there's an alternate world where going through these same games, Missouri could be sitting at 6-1 and one right now. They could be undefeated in the SEC. They could be tied for first place in the SEC East. They're just a few plays away, quite literally, from being in that spot. And instead, you know, the ball hasn't bounced their way. They haven't executed well enough in pretty much all of these games. And so instead, now they're sitting at three and four. This is exactly why you cannot judge a team purely off their win-loss record or an early season blowout loss to Kansas State. And some of you might be saying, but Andrew, it's Kansas State. I mean, who cares about Kansas State in college football? For those people, Kansas State is 5-2 and two right now, and they're currently ranked 22nd in the Associated Press poll. So Kansas State is not a bad football team, and it's pretty understandable why Missouri, especially earlier in the year, would have lost by that margin to the Kansas State Wildcats in Manhattan, Kansas. Now, the last reason why the Gamecocks should not overlook Missouri, their defense, which I have brought up earlier this week, is much improved this season. Last year, Missouri, of course, was notoriously bad on that side of the ball. They were second to last in the SEC in scoring defense, rush defense, and total defense. They were abysmal. It was a big reason why they only won six games in 2021. Even in an average defense being fielded last year, Missouri possibly could have won seven, eight games. Now, this season, so far through eight weeks, Missouri is eighth in the SEC in scoring defense, fifth in the SEC in rush defense, and fourth in the SEC in total defense. So this is a unit that has seen a lot of improvement from one season going to the next, which is why you cannot always judge a team heavily based on what they did the previous season. And you look at South Carolina's offense. Again, South Carolina is winning football games, and they're doing just enough on that side of the ball. So do not take this as me trying to find ways to poke holes in how South Carolina has been playing in recent weeks. Do not take it that way, because if you take it that way, you're not understanding the overall point of what I'm trying to get at here. My overall point is, South Carolina has yet to play a game this season where they have played a complete four quarters 
on really either side of the ball. And it's been extremely noticeable on offense. So they're going to be facing a defensive unit in Missouri that is much improved from last year. And they're going to be facing a team that, again, obviously has defeated them three years in a row. So there's going to be some inherent confidence on their sideline. So you take all this into account. This is going to be a real tight matchup. There's a reason why a lot of the betting lines right now are sitting at around five points. I believe Bet Online right now has the line at five and a half points, or at least it opened at five and a half points. So the point being, do not overlook Missouri. If you do, then you might be in for a surprise on Saturday. Now, in a few moments, I'll talk about why South Carolina could be getting their upcoming opponent's best shot over the next few weeks, including the Missouri Tigers. But first, we need to have a serious discussion about something. Crime is running rampant in certain areas of this country to a level that has been seen in decades right now. And whether you live alone, maybe you have a roommate, or if you have a family, we all want to feel protected inside our own home. And that's why I urge you all to check out Simply Safe, the home security company that has earned the trust of over 4 million people to protect their home due to their cutting-edge technology that's powered by 24-7 professional monitoring agents who can spot any outside threats at a moment's notice. They protect your home whether you're there or on the go by alerting Simply Safe agents when something is caught on their HD cameras, and they'll dispatch police or first responders in an emergency using proprietary advanced response technology to confirm whether the threat is real or not. Simply Safe also offers advanced sensors for every room, window, and door in the house, which can only detect criminal threats, but home threats as well. Like if your dog decides to tear up that sofa you bought off Facebook the other day because you wanted to get something that's on the cheap. So don't wait. Go customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on college. You can also save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month for free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on college to learn more because there's no safe like Simply Safe. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. All right, so I've talked about why the Gamecocks should not overlook the Missouri Tigers this upcoming weekend. Now, I'm going to expand the look ahead to include both Vanderbilt and Florida, both of those matchups that are going to take place after the Missouri game. And I'm going to discuss to all of you how Wounded Animal Mode could affect South Carolina's next few games. Now, before I get into the discussion of the games themselves, I feel like I need to describe to all of you how I would define Wounded Animal Mode in terms of sports. And this is maybe a term that some of y'all have heard yourself before, so it might not be new to some of you. But here's what I define Wounded Animal Mode as. When a team feels like they're in a situation where the goals they set out for themselves at an earlier stage, maybe before the season, is escaping them or are escaping them, and the only way to get back within reach of those goals is to dig deep and go all out against their next opponent. Essentially, you're throwing the kitchen sink. You're emptying the proverbial chamber. You are going to utilize everything at your disposal. Any plays you haven't called all year that you think could be plays that might work against your opponent, you are going to do everything in your power to try to win that next game because 
you know deep down, if you don't win that next game, at that point, your season might be pretty much at a loss in terms of some of the goals that you set out early on before the season even started. And when fans look at South Carolina's next three games, they all look very winnable because of what those teams have or haven't done to this point. And that's where Wounded Animal Mode could come into play here with all of these games. So let's start off with Missouri. Realistically, before the season, Missouri's big goal that a lot of people may have set for them, maybe some analysts, maybe just general college football fans, was that Missouri should probably be happy just reaching a bowl game because they lost some players from their offense last year. Their defense, of course, was very abysmal this past season, as we've talked about, which would mean they would need to find six wins on their schedule. They have five games left, which sounds like a lot of time, but it's not going to be an easy road for the Missouri Tigers. The remaining schedule, they play at South Carolina, of course, this upcoming weekend. Then they come back home, but they play a physical football team in the Kentucky Wildcats. Then they go play at Tennessee. Then they play New Mexico State at home. And then their final game of the regular season, they play the Arkansas Razorbacks in Ferret Stadium. So, realistically... There's only one guaranteed win on this schedule for Missouri, and that is New Mexico State. But they could lose all the rest of those games, which means, basically, they got to find two more wins besides that New Mexico State game. And, again, remember, they've defeated South Carolina three years in a row. So Eli Drinkwitz and this coaching staff could undoubtedly use that as a way to convey to the team that they could still accomplish some of these goals that they had set out for them before the season started. And it could all start against South Carolina, which if they can't do that, probably means that they are not going to go to a bowl game. And that's not meant to be condescending course to South Carolina. It's just to, again, reiterate the fact that their schedule is extremely difficult to finish out the year. And if there's a game that they, on their side, are going to look at and say, that's a game we could take, they would point to South Carolina for all the reasons I've laid out up to this point. So, Let's move on from the Missouri game, and now let's talk about the Vandy game and how Wounded Animal Mode could play a factor in this one. Vanderbilt is currently 3-5 on the season and 0-4 in conference play. And again, in terms of realistic expectations before this season, Vanderbilt probably should have just expected to try to find some progress on both sides of the ball. Try to win more than two games this year. You know, not necessarily go to a bowl game, but if you can win three, four games, maybe if you can win five games, that would be a pretty decent step in the right direction for Clark Lee and his coaching staff and for this football team as a whole. And they could right now still make a bowl game. I mean, again, they need to find another three wins on the schedule. They've only got five losses, so that's still possible for them. And even though they've lost 12 straight to South Carolina, it always seems like that the Commodores come out with a different attitude when they face South Carolina. Almost an attitude like they think they can win the game. So when looking at the remaining schedule for the Vanderbilt Commodores, they have a bye week this upcoming weekend. Then they play the Gamecocks at home. Then they go on the road and play the Kentucky Wildcats. Then they play the Florida Gators at home. And then they have to play in Knoxville at Tennessee to end the regular season. So Vanderbilt doesn't have any sort of quote-unquote cupcake games in the final stretch of the regular season. They got to find a way to win three of these four games. And for Vanderbilt, that South Carolina game, in my eyes, is going to sort of be their last gasp at trying to accomplish 
more this season, more than maybe people expected out of them. So maybe trying to reach five wins, maybe trying to find a way to get six wins and become bowl eligible, which against this stretch would be a phenomenal accomplishment for Clark Lee and his program. But, you know, you got to also think about this. They have had time to stew over a real heartbreaking loss at home to the Missouri Tigers this past weekend. And they're getting an extra week to rest and prepare for this contest against South Carolina. So, again, South Carolina, you've dominated this team for over a decade now. But you've got to be careful with this game in terms of how Wounded Animal Mode could play a role with Vandy's coinciding goals they have remaining on the table. Now, looking at the last team that I'm going to discuss in terms of Wounded Animal Mode, let's look at the Florida Gators. Now, the Florida Gators are in a little bit of a better spot than the other two teams we've talked about up to this point. They're 4-3 and three currently on the season and 1-3 and three in conference play. Now, I have to be honest, it's hard not to poke fun here because some Florida fans thought the Gators were going to win eight games before the season started. And if y'all remember my prediction video heading into the season, I predicted the Florida Gators to win only five games, which some people might have looked at and said, you are just... You have some bias against the Gators, clearly. No, at this point, I don't think it really looks that way. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here because there's still a lot of games left to play, but um, it is a possibility for the Gators because right now it's looking like they're going to have to fight to make a bowl game. You look at the remaining schedule. They got to play the Georgia Bulldogs in Jacksonville this upcoming weekend. They've had a bye week to prepare, but so has Georgia. Realistically, that's probably a loss. Then they go on the road to play the Texas A&M Aggies. Who knows what Aggie team they're going to face when they play them in Kyle Field, but you have to imagine that the Aggies are at least going to give them a real solid fight considering the fact that they are playing them at home. Then they come back and play the South Carolina Gamecocks in Gainesville, which is something I'm going to talk about more in just a couple moments. Then they play at Vanderbilt in the second to last week of the regular season and they finish the season of course on the road against their arch rivals in the Florida State Seminoles now in these final five games the only win I'm willing to give Florida is the Vanderbilt game just purely based on the talent disparity that you could see on paper and if it plays out that way that is the only real I guess guaranteed win for Florida that means they still got to find one more win to become bowl eligible now, personally, and I predicted this again before the season started, I think they're going to drop the Georgia game and Texas A&M game. I'm not as confident in that Texas A&M game now. You know, again, Florida could find a way to win that one with the way A&M has played this season, especially on offense. But let's say they lose that game in this hypothetical. That would put them at 4-5 and five, coming into their matchup against South Carolina. If this happens this way, Florida is going to undoubtedly go all out against South Carolina because it is their final home game in the Swamp this season. They will, without a doubt, feel like it is a must-win game. They'll be sitting at 4-5. and five. They lose that game. They now got to somehow emotionally recover from a three-game losing streak and then go on the road the next week to play at Vanderbilt, which, again, in terms of just pure emotions being drained from the players, could turn to a trap game. Then you have the final game being on the road against your arch rivals in the Florida State Seminoles who look like they're an improved team this year. So, you know, there's no gimmies 
with any of these games, really, even the Vanderbilt game, even though, again, I do think Florida will win that one. And quite honestly, why anyone had Florida winning more than seven games this season? Um, I have no idea, especially if they put money on it and they turned it basically into a high stakes wager. Just like small business owners trying to hire someone for a role in their business. And, you know, maybe wants access to the best qualified candidates available. And if that describes you perfectly, then you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier for you to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Myself being a recent college graduate at the University of South Carolina, I've been able to stay in touch and connect with many alumni. So if any of us are running a small business one day, it'll be easy for us to maybe, you know, stay in touch with one another and try to get a job with someone that, again, you know you can trust them. When you use LinkedIn Jobs, you can create a job post in minutes to reach both your own personal network and a worldwide professional network consisting of 810 million people. You can also add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame on your profile, which helps to find the right people that fit the job description to a T. Using tools like screening questions to filter through candidates and populate viable choices. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus other leading competitors in the industry. LinkedIn Jobs, again, helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. Did you know that nearly every week, 40 million people are visiting LinkedIn, seeking out jobs? Why sit on the sidelines and let all these other small business owners go out there and take all these qualified candidates? Post your job for free today at linkedin.com slash college. Once again, that's linkedin.com slash Locked on college to post your job for free today. Terms and conditions do apply. Welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right. So, talked a lot about the Missouri game and some of the games that the Gamecocks may be playing after this Missouri matchup this upcoming Saturday. But let's take a moment to look back and for y'all revel in South Carolina's big victory over the Texas A&M Aggies. I know I did my whole game recap on the Monday show, but there was one important part of this game that I did admittedly gloss over on the Monday show, and that was just how big of a role the fans and the atmosphere played in this football game. I mean, look, I got to be honest with y'all. I have been to many South Carolina football games during my very young adult life, and up till now, I have never seen so many procedural penalties, so many false starts from an opponent in Williams-Brice until this past Saturday night, where I believe basically the home crowd forced Texas A&M's offensive line to jump off eight times. That is just an unbelievable feat for any home crowd in a college football game. does not matter where the game is being played. 
that had an impact in this game. I mean, it forced some longer third downs on certain drives for the Aggies. It made it more difficult, obviously, for them to communicate. It basically helped force a fumble early in the first quarter, which led to a South Carolina touchdown. And that should not go unnoticed. Williams Bryce Stadium has been heralded by many people in college football as one of the most underrated environments in all of college football. An environment that is extremely raucous, where if it ain't swaying, then the Gamecocks sure aren't playing. That is a slogan that the Gar and Black faithful live and die by when they are in that stadium for three hours watching their South Carolina Gamecocks play some football. And guess what? A lot of recruits took note of the environment, took note of the game itself. There was three particular recruits that had some reactions on Twitter to the game. The first one was 2024 running back Anthony Scuda Carey, who is a big-time prospect, I believe, out of Florida, and he was able to make it up to Columbia for this game. He posted on Twitter a bunch of googly eye emojis after South Carolina officially won the game against Texas A&M around 11.33 p.m. that night. So, obviously, you know, if you're looking for a big-time running back prospect to follow in the future, Anthony Carey is certainly one of them. And the Gamecocks getting a win like that, showing him an environment like that, can go a long ways. There was another prospect who was there in 2024 edge defender Justin Green, who has taken many visits to South Carolina. But I have to be honest, I don't think he has seen an environment quite like the one he saw on Saturday night. And he, quote, tweeted the post-game locker room speech that Shane Beamer gave to the team. There was a video posted by South Carolina's Twitter account, or the football team's Twitter account, I should say. And uh, yeah, again, pretty clear that he 100% approved, probably not just only of the message that was given by Shane Beamer in that video, but also the game itself. And then there was a 2025 defensive line prospect in Amari Adams, who is from the state of South Carolina, plays for Lake City, I believe, or is at least from Lake City, South Carolina. And he was there at the game, and he posted a photo of himself and what looks like a family member on Twitter saying he really enjoyed his time at USC. It was a great win against Texas A&M, and go Gamecocks with that Spurs Up emoji. So the point being with all of these posts from these prospective targets from South Carolina's 2024 and 2025 recruiting boards. While those posts might not directly address the crowd noise that the fans brought on Saturday night, there's no doubt that, look, you want your program to go to the next level. You want to see your team bring in some highly tied prospects. The thing that is easy for fans to forget, especially when you are there just maybe just to watch the football game with a friend or a family member, is that you play an important role in these recruits' visits. Because recruits, obviously, they want to be, you know, wine and dine to a certain extent. They want to be shown a good time. Their family wants to see maybe the academic programs that they're interested in. Just how good are they at the University of South Carolina? They want to make sure that they are going to let their son go to a program where the head coach and that staff are going to take care of him. They're going to treat him like he is one of their own kin. That he's going to have the facilities, the resources in order to succeed both on and off the field. 
But another factor that doesn't get remembered enough is, is he going to play for a school that lives and dies with their football team? There's a lot of football programs you just cannot say that about. There's football programs where if they're successful, then yeah, they'll have a turnout. It's always easy to pack a stadium when your team is winning. But when you have years where your team is losing, maybe they lose nine games, maybe they lose eight games, maybe they even lose ten games. South Carolina has seen some years like that, unfortunately. But guess what? The great differentiator between South Carolina's fan base and a lot of other fan bases in college football is the loyalty. Some people would say that South Carolina fans are loyal to a fault because, again, there are times where the games are not always the prettiest ones to watch. There are times where you might be sitting there on the edge of your seat when South Carolina's playing a team like East Carolina, like Troy, like Vanderbilt, all those examples just from last season alone. And you're wondering, oh my gosh, are they even going to win this football game? But guess what? You stick through all that for games like this past Saturday night against Texas A&M. A game that meant so much to this team, to this program. And yeah, a lot of the national talking heads are going to talk about Texas A&M and all the struggles that they've had and why it's asinine that Jimbo Fisher somehow cannot win when he's got all that talent, all the resources, I'll say, and all the facilities at Texas A&M. They're going to talk about that. Guess what? It's okay. Let them talk about that. Because you know what? Their opinions should not matter in the grand scheme of things when looking at how you think about that football game. That is what matters at the end of the day. And for the fans that were there, fans that have reached out to me, both on YouTube, on Twitter, people have said that's the loudest game I've ever been to at South Carolina. The loudest ever. There's been some real big wins in the last 10, 15 years in that stadium. A win over number one Alabama in 2010. The absolute beatdown of a top five ranked Georgia team in 2012. The streak against the Clemson Tigers. There's been some big victories. There's been a lot of reasons for, you know, people to say that's the best game or that's the loudest game I've ever been to. But that game against Texas A&M, that for many people is the loudest game that they've ever been to. Imagine now this team is ranked, they continue to win, they play a game maybe against Tennessee or Clemson at 8 and 2 or 9 and 2, who knows. They play games like that, it's going to be even bigger and better. But guess what? Recruits are already taking notice of that. It means something to them. It is important for them to see the support the fans have for the program. So, I say all that to say this. Kudos to all of you who are at the game on Saturday. Kudos to all of you who have been going to these games. Those of you who have not given up on this team. And again, there's no reason to give up on this team because this team fights every single weekend. Again, it's not always the prettiest. And even Coach Beamer admits that. But... Those guys fight for 60 minutes. You know you're going to get that every single week. And their progress is paying off on the field. And it helps when y'all, the fans, are a part of it. So, again, pat yourselves on the back because you really showed up and you were loud on Saturday night. And I promise you, a lot of people are taking note of that. More so than you would maybe even think. 
thing. That's going to do it for today's show, the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope that y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show. As always, what is your thoughts on the Missouri game? On a scale of 1 to 10, how worried are you about the game? Do you think the Gamecocks should be maybe really concerned about maybe, uh, I don't know, coming back down to earth? Maybe having a bit of an emotional letdown? Do you think that's not going to matter too much? What do you think about Wounded Animal Mode? Do you think that that could play a big factor in South Carolina's next few games? And also, if you were at the game against Texas A&M on Saturday night, continue to leave your thoughts on that game, the environment, down below in the comments section. And, of course, ask any questions if you want. You can shoot me a DM on Twitter at A-Line underscore SC. I promise I will get back to you as quickly as I see your comment or message. And one last time, want to thank all of you for making Locked On Gamecocks your first listen. Now, for your second listen today, I want you to check out Locked On Sports Today. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. But once again, that does it for me on today's show. I hope that y'all have a great rest of your Tuesday. I will catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.